Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Welcome to Grace Avenue Church Online. Thank you so much for being with us here this morning. Uh, Normally at this moment, we would all kind of just give a shout really loudly and and clap our hands. So even where you are, just kind of celebrate for just a moment, clapping your hands. Yeah, don't feel weird about it. Just clap your hands and thank God for what he's going to do in your life this morning. I'm excited to get started in this new endeavor here for Grace Avenue Church. We've got some obvious changes taking place um, with all the coronavirus and the COVID-19 circumstances that have kind of fallen upon us as a church. We've had to do the best we can and make the best of what we have. And uh, thank God that we have an incredible team uh, working right now with us. Um, A lot of them around the clock to just help and and make all of this happen. So the live stream that you're seeing um, on Facebook and on YouTube and all the promotion that we've tried to get out there, all the communication that we've tried to get out there, that really has happened because there are just so many faithful people behind the scenes that work around the clock, really. Uh, so uh, I just want to celebrate them today, all the audio video people, all the graphics people, the website people, people who sent uh, lessons to your kids by email today, uh, all the people who've been designing and redesigning uh, really what the entire structure uh, of our church feels like and looks like. They are true heroes right now in the midst of everything that's going on. So I just want to thank them so much. Thank you guys for all you've been doing to make Grace Avenue Church what it is and for helping Jesus to shine. Uh, secondly, before I start this morning, I want to uh, just uh, wish my wife a happy, a happy anniversary. Tomorrow will be 18 years that we've been married. Uh, we were dating for about 13 months before that. I knew I wanted to marry her two weeks after I, I met her, and she thought I was crazy, and I probably was, but she married me anyway. And uh, 18 years tomorrow. And uh, I love you, honey. Thank you for everything, for standing with me and with us through, even through all the seasons and all the chaos. Thank you for being you uh, right next to me. Uh, For those of you who uh, just heard that anniversary uh, celebration call, uh, I'd like to ask you if you'd like to send any gifts, uh, you can do that. We'll be receiving canned goods, uh, toilet paper, bags of pasta, fresh fruit, fresh tortillas. Latex gloves, uh, any digital currency that you'd like to forward, uh, and a hazmat suit. If you have any of those things, we feel free to send those to us uh, for our anniversary. We would truly be able to use them right now. We would appreciate them. Hey, this morning I'm going to be speaking on finding faith in a cave. Finding faith in a cave. We think about a cave. Um, it's not something that sounds romantic. Uh, caves are, are things that we tend to visit. Uh, we go explore, learn something about the science of a cave or the history of a cave or the writings that were on a cave wall. But caves are very uninviting. Uh, they're not romantic. They're not, places, not nice places to hang out. Uh, in fact, all the movies that we see about caves make them pretty creepy. And a place that we don't want to hang around in. There's always that one big rock that's keeping people from getting out of the cave when they're trapped in the cave. So caves are not known to be great for life, and they're certainly not good for the soul. 
Uh, unless it's a man cave, that's different. Man caves are really good for the soul. All the men say amen. But our lives, uh, because of everything that's going on in the country with the coronavirus and a lot of the isolation and the social distancing and not being able to go to work and bars and restaurants and gyms and uh, places that we normally gather, all being shut down, it almost feels like we're being confined to our cave. In many ways, some of us are isolated in our house. I know some of our folks even here in Grace Avenue with, uh, with some of the health challenges they're facing uh, are, are isolating themselves just for the sake of their own health and the reality of everything that's weighing down upon us as a nation right now and as a, as a church. Uh, but thankfully, in our caves right now, we have Wi-Fi, we have running water, we have beds, we have AC, we have heaters. Our caves are pretty luxurious compared to the cave I'm going to talk about today that a man named David is dealing with. Uh, David, who most of you know probably from a story uh, about how he defeated Goliath, uh, David is in a situation where he's actually stuck in a cave. He's hiding in a cave. He's actually hiding for his life. Saul is after him, trying to kill him. Saul, who was a king. And Saul's jealousy uh, has risen to the point where he's trying to kill David, and David is now running for his life, fleeing Saul and everything he's known. And I want you to understand that scenario as I read Psalm 142 today. This is where David is at. He's in a cave hiding. And listen to what he says. He says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit. No one cares for David. He's in the situation where he's lonely, doesn't feel anyone would would help him, would understand his situation. And then he goes on, he says, no one cares what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord, you are my place of refuge. You're all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors. They are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. I can tell you that when we read Psalm 142, and we understand David's life, the entirety of his life up to this point, this is not what David imagined his own life was going to be like. Uh, As a teenager, David was anointed as a king in front of his father, in front of his brothers. A prophet named Samuel comes in anoints him in front of the rest of the city. And so David is standing strong as a teenager, as a young adult, as a young man, going into his young adult years with this inner sense of destiny that God has great promises over his life. Yet here's David hiding in a cave, running for his life. David imagined up to this point that he would be king. He thought he'd be ruling and reigning and victorious in battle and doing all the things that kings do. Now, if you think about kings, they have power, they have prestige. 
Uh, They have presence about them. They have honor about them. Uh, Kings don't live as victims in caves. They live victorious in palaces. Uh, Kings live lives with servants around them and soldiers to command and and authority and decision-making and planning, knowing where, where things are going in life. Kings rule. That's not what David's doing here. Kings have boundless authority and endless opportunity, and David has none of that. He's stuck in a cave. And here he writes this psalm, Psalm 142. And he's hiding for his life at the same time that he's writing this. What's he dealing with? He's dealing with his own pain, his own disappointment, his own adversity, and really the uncertainty of his own life. He doesn't know where life goes. Here was the promise of God over his life. He was going to be king. Now he's isolated. Now he's stuck. Now he's in a cave. He's forced in some ways to deal with the stuff that life has thrown at him that he never planned for. Seeds he didn't sow. Plans he didn't make. Changes he didn't anticipate. He's forced to deal with it in a literal cave, which might as well be a prison because he's fearing for his life and he can't go anywhere. What you're hearing in this psalm is the heart cry of an isolated and frustrated man, someone who's in a position where he doesn't know when or how things are going to change in life. He's stuck. And in this cave, the the fact that, that David was anointed or is anointed, it doesn't even seem to matter anymore. It doesn't even seem to matter that he was there being anointed with oil before the entire city, before his father and his brothers and people who were looking on. It doesn't matter that for years people have known David as the coming king, the one who would reign, yet here he is hiding for his life. It doesn't really matter anymore that David was a warrior that we read about him earlier in life, he'd killed a lion to protect the sheep that he was overseeing. He'd, he'd killed a bear. He defeated Goliath. All these victories in his life, yet here he is hiding, and it doesn't seem to matter. He's miserable with his own life. He's miserable with his own situation, and he's fearful about his own future. I want you to notice something here. This is a man who loves God. This is a man, David. He's not sinned against God. This is a man who has loved God and served God. In fact, this is a man who God himself, when he anointed David, said this. I've chosen David because he's a man after my own heart who will do all my will. So God was pleased with David. God wasn't upset with David. God wasn't punishing David. Yet David is suffering intense fear and disappointment and struggle. And he's in a cave. And it's in these situations and these seasons that our faith is tested. Seasons like the one we're in right now where we feel like we're in a cave. And we don't know which way is up and we don't know which way is down, which way is right or left and what's coming and what's going and what happens next week or next month and what happens to our income, what happens to our future, what happens to all the work we've put in, what happens with our children, what happens with graduations, what happens with weddings, what happens with business deals. Very much like David, we are being tested 
as a church. We're being tested. Our faith is being tested. And we're discovering that many of us probably feel the same way David does in the cave that he's in. I want you to look at verse 1 through 3 again as I read it out. He says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and I tell him all my troubles. And when I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. Look at David's strategy in the cave. Look at his strategy. He says, I cried out. I plead with you, God. I pour out and I tell you my troubles. What does that teach us today? It teaches us that in a cave, David took his pain and his troubles to God. He didn't take him just to Netflix. He didn't just take him to entertainment. He took his pain and his disappointment and his troubles to God. Our greatest confidence when we're going through pain and trouble tends to be who we go to, friends, relatives, neighbors, someone we can trust. And obviously that has its place. But here we're learning something from David about being in a cave and fearing for our future. We see that God can be trusted with our pain. God can be trusted with our troubles. The lesson here is that in our greatest distress and our feeling of being overwhelmed, God hears us. God's still with us. And God's available to us. Psalm 46 verse 1 says that God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in the time of trouble. What does it mean to have a refuge? He says, God, you are my refuge, that place I run to. What does that actually mean? Refuge is something that provides shelter. Shelter being something that we're sheltered from. Refuge being something we're sheltered from uh, danger or trouble or pursuit. Right now, many of us are facing trouble. Some of our friends are facing trouble. I have friends overseas who are um, quarantined right now, dealing with symptoms. They don't know. They haven't been tested yet. They don't know what's going on. They're isolating themselves away from their family. I see the same thing here in our city. Some people I know telling me that they're experiencing some of this stuff. And here is God's promise to us. He is our refuge, our strength in the midst of what we're dealing with. In the New Testament, one of Jesus' disciples named Peter, who we often read about as very loud, very bold, uh, at times almost sounding overly confident, borderline arrogant at times, we see him in a situation where Jesus is, for the most part, kind of taking away all the fog and just in, in, in no uncertain terms, just kind of laying it straight to him and telling him like it is. And he tells him this in Luke chapter 22. He calls him Simon. His name is Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back again, strengthen your brothers. If you've ever... Um, seen a movie about, you know, people who mine for gold in a river and they, they have this tray and they kind of shake it in the water and in the dirt and everything just sifts out of it. And what's left are the rocks and the gold nuggets that you see in, 
Uh, when people do that, it, it's sifting and some things fall away and then some things remain. This is what Jesus is actually saying. This is such a strong sc- scripture here. He literally tells Peter that Satan, the enemy, desires to sift him. And he doesn't just say he wants to. He said he's asked to sift Peter like wheat. And Jesus says, but I've prayed that your faith may not fail. And it blows my mind that of all the things Jesus could have prayed for, he prayed for Peter's faith to not fail. And then he commands him that when your faith has not failed you and you've regained your strength from this cave-like situation, I want you to go and strengthen people who are going through similar situations. People who've run from God, people who are far from God, people who scattered. See, the prayer of Jesus was not just, oh, let Peter get out of this situation. Just let him, let him stay the course. It was that his faith would not fail him. And that is God's desire for us in this situation. In whatever cave scenario we find ourselves in, the Lord's prayer for us is that our faith would not fail. What he prayed for Peter, he prays for us. What he hoped for Peter, he hopes for us. What he desired for Peter is what he desires for us. You know, Psalm 28 says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. What are you feeling right now in this situation with everything going on in the world in America? Are you feeling bold or are you feeling fearful? Are are you stepping back or are you charging forward in faith? The promise of this proverb is that the, the righteous, those of us who've come to Christ, who know Jesus, who've been saved by him, who've received his, his death and resurrection and been saved, says we're righteous because of him. Not because of what we've done, but we're righteous because of him. And it says that we're bold as a lion. You know, friends, I believe that in this season, the church has really been awakened. Certainly all across America right now, all across our city, all across our social media platforms, the church has been awakened because none of them can meet. None of them can gather. I don't know of any time in my lifetime that I've ever seen anything like this. This is such an important time in history for the church to stand awakened to what God is saying, to what God might be doing in the midst of all that the enemy is doing with sickness and disease. What is God doing in us? What is God doing in our lives? Are we going to be the church that rises up the saved people who serve people? Or are we going to be the church that cowers back in fear and just echoes everything that we hear on the news every single day? Are we going to be the church that responds or just reacts? Are we going to be the church that listens to some of the outspoken and often ridiculous doom and gloom people? Uh, that we are talking in the name of Jesus sometimes, or are we going to be people who are as bold as a lion and stand firm in our faith and strengthen those around us who may be feeling fear as well? What will we do with our cave-like situation as Grace Avenue Church? What are we going to do? What are you going to do with your family, with those you lead at work, with your team, with those you manage, with those with the company that you lead? What are we going to do? What I'm trying to say is don't, don't go through all of this for nothing. Don't let this be for nothing. Uh, don't just go through this and 
gain a whole bunch of extra shows that you've been watch, binge watched on Netflix and, and gain five extra pounds from sitting around because you can't go to the gym. Come on, let's just not gain that only through this. Let's gain something from God. What would God do in and through this situation? See, I can tell you this sometimes, I mean, I mean, some people, I would say, are going to go through this season and they're just going to work to entertain themselves. They can just entertain themselves through it. As long as they can be happy through it, they're going to be fine. But all they're going to have on the other side of this is a lot of shows that they've watched, a lot of funny memes that they've laughed at, uh, a lot of jokes that they've seen, a lot of news that they've watched. That'll be some people. And then there are going to be people who lean into God, who are in their cave-like scenarios and situations and circumstances, and they're going to come out different. They're going to come out changed because their faith is not going to fail them. In fact, their faith is going to be so strong that they come out of this and they strengthen those around them. David prayed with humility in the cave. And he eventually got out of this situation. But later on in David's life, David's heart got far from God again. He, he should have been doing what kings do. But instead, he found himself in his palace with his authority, with his prosperity in his life. And he looked to another man's wife, and he sinned by committing adultery with this woman. And he had her husband killed. David, who was close to God, who was loved by God, his heart goes far from God to the degree where he does some really horrible, evil things. Not really caring about what God thinks anymore. And here's what's interesting. In the cave, David prayed with humility. But in the palace, David sinned greatly. And oftentimes, we just want God to get us to our palace. God, get me out of this pit and get me to the palace where I can rule and reign and my, there's money in the account. And I know the deals that are going through and things are successful and my bills are paid and life is good and the kids are succeeding and our family's succeeding. God, just get me to the palace. But oftentimes the palace is where we forget God. Oftentimes the palace of prosperity is where we start sinning because we forget the cave that God's already brought us out of before. In the cave, we pray with humility. The cave is the place where Communication with God happens. It's where communion with God takes place. It's the place where we're the most transparent, the most vulnerable, and the most honest. In verse 3, he says, When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. What does that teach us? That in a cave, David declared that God knew the way. In the cave, David declared that God knew the way. He said, you alone know the way. You know which way I should turn. See, David felt overwhelmed but grounded himself into this reality with this statement. You alone, God, know the way that I should go. You know what's ahead for tomorrow. You know what's ahead for next week. You know what's ahead for the month after. Lord, you alone know the way. You know, there have been seasons in my life where I felt like I'm in a cave. Seasons change, transitions happen, disappointments, losses, things you didn't plan for, things that feel unfair, seem unfair. And here, I learned a lot from this passage because it reminds me of what I felt like. It reminded me of some of the ways I was thinking that were off 
when I was in a cave. You know, I don't know if you know this, but your thinking can be really off when you're disappointed. Your thinking can be really off when you're lost. Your thinking can be really off when you're angry. Your thinking can be really off when plans don't go the way you thought they would. And there's times in I look back and I recognize that in some of those moments, there were people around me that they were offering me good thoughts, but they were not God thoughts. They were good ideas, but they were not God ideas. Uh, They were reaction ideas, not response to God ideas. And my encouragement to you is to rise up in faith today. God saved you by his spirit and put his spirit in you. And here you are as a Christian. You're, you're not just sitting in this situation. You're actually being sent in this situation. Now, God gave us authority, obviously, over sickness and disease. And we're to pray in authority over those things, not to just willingly sit back and just let things happen. I can't control if I get sick. Neither can you. But we can certainly, in faith, speak and declare that sickness will not rule over our house, that disease will not rule over our house. And we can trust in God's might and God's power to lead us through scenarios where we're confused. Verse 4, David says, I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. See, David looked around and thought, nobody even knows the pain I'm going through. Nobody knows the bills that are due. Nobody knows that I've lost my job. Nobody knows how much work I put into the season. Nobody knows my plans that I had for the next three months or the next 12 months. But God knew. How tragic is it that when we're facing difficulty, sometimes the people around us can't even comprehend the weight that's on us, the struggles that we're walking through. He says, no one's helping me. Basically, he's saying, there's no hope. I don't have anybody around me. He's saying, no one cares about me. Another translation says, says, no one cares for my soul. In other words, he's saying, I'm completely alone. This is how David's feeling in a cave. Now, I want you to take notice of something. What's really interesting is when you study this time in David's life, there's a scripture in 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. It says, all those who were in trouble or owed someone money or were discontented gathered around David, and he became their leader, and he had about 400 men with him. Now, we don't know at this time when Psalm 142 was written whether or not David had these 400 men with him, but it's interesting that he says, I look around, and there's no one to come and help me. No one gives me a passing thought, which leads us to believe that there are 400 people in that cave with David. Yet he looks at all of them, and he knows none of them can help him. So what is he saying? He's, it's saying about these guys that there were people who were in trouble. So these guys were running from trouble as well. They owed people money. They were discontented. Just you know, you know what it's like to be around someone who's discontented? They get a job, but they're not happy with the job. They pray for a job. They get another job. They're still not happy with the job. They ask for this. They're still not happy with that. They ask for the house. They're just discontented. They never seem to find a place of contentment. Every prayer request is about their discontentment. It's not really about a bad situation. It's about the internal bad situation where they're discontent. That's exactly what David is surrounded by. 
What I'm saying is you have to be careful in seasons where you're in a cave like this. Be careful who you're listening to. Some of them may be in just as bad a situation as you are and really have no life to offer you with their words. David, in the midst of that possible surrounding of 400 discontented people, people in trouble, people who owed money, is in a situation where he's starting to believe the lie that he's hearing. He's believing the lie that nobody cares for him, that God doesn't care for him. Sometimes your feelings, the news, friends, relatives, coworkers, people you know, start to direct your life with their bad news more so than God's truth directing you with the good news. I would say in a cave, that's something we have to be aware of, something we have to watch. See, only Jesus knew what it was truly like to be alone. Most of us, when we say we're alone, we're not actually alone. We're 20 20 feet away from our neighbor who we don't know. Uh, Internally, we may feel alone. But truthfully, we're not really alone. Only Jesus really knew true isolation and loneliness. When he was crucified, Scripture tells us God the Father turned his back on Jesus. Jesus being the sacrifice for us put Jesus in a lonely place temporarily for us took upon himself the shame and the guilt, our sin. And God the Father turned his back on Jesus. That's loneliness. That's true loneliness. Jesus knew loneliness so that we would never have to know loneliness. Jesus knew what it was like to be isolated so that us in our homes, we, with the comfort of our Wi-Fi or Netflix or a friend or a brother or a sister or someone that we know, Someone we could call, someone we could reach out to by text, email, something we could watch on television. Jesus took on true loneliness so that we in those comforts could actually not know real loneliness, but have him to lean on in the midst of what we think is loneliness. What I'm saying today is you may think you're alone in your situation. I know many people are are suffering significant loss right now of income, jobs, Some jobs put on hold, some jobs, some people being laid off, some people not knowing what's ahead. And and here's the reality. Uh, No one on the news knows either. Uh, With all due respect to news outlets and our politicians doing the best they can do, our world has never seen this. And so to be glued to the news five to eight hours a day, I would say is not good for your spirit. I would say to be glued to God's word for at least half of that and to his presence would be a far greater benefit. In a cave, you got to be careful who you're listening to. He says this in verse five, then I pray to you, O Lord, I say, you are my place of refuge. You're all I really want in life. See, in a cave, David found comfort and provision in God. He found comfort and provision in God. He started to switch his soul, his spirit from that place of discontentment and disappointment towards this place where he says, Lord, you are my place of refuge. You're my place of strength. It's actually not my job. It's not the money I have. God, if I have you, I have everything. He actually says in this in such a way where 
in some translations of this verse, he says to God, you are my portion. Come on, whenever you're dividing up food, maybe you're a family meal and you divide up and you get your portion. This is what, what he's saying, that it's an allotment, something that belongs only to him. This is what he's saying about God. God, you are my portion. You're that which you have allotted to me. I've taken that in. You're my strength. You're my refuge. You're everything. You're my portion. And David actually says that word a lot through different Psalms. He says it in Psalm 73. He says, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In Psalm 119, he says, Lord, you are my portion. I have said that I would keep your words, your commands. It's almost as if David is putting this abrupt stop to his own defeated spirit. It's almost as if David is saying, you know, that's enough of the way you've been feeling. And he speaks to his soul and causes his soul and his spirit to rise up and shut the feelings off and up that are speaking so loudly to his heart and his mind and the way he feels. You, O Lord, are my place of refuge. Come on. Just a minute ago, he just said, no refuge remains. There's no one here for me. There's no one here to help me. There's no one here to understand what I'm going through. But that quickly, he turns the page. You know, your lowest seasons and your lowest places in life are often the fastest way, the fastest highway to God. It's in those times where we can quickly exit off that that road of discontentment and, and fear and lift ourselves out of the confusion that the enemy is trying to sift in our lives to land us in that place of fear and keep us in that place of confusion and hopelessness. I don't know about you, but some of the lowest times in my life and the things that I've been through, I didn't know if I was going to make it out of them. I really didn't. I could think of three or four things in life over the last, you know, 44 years of my life where I've looked those scenarios in the face and said, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I didn't tell everybody else that around me. But in myself, I wondered, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to deal with this? Emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, spiritually. You know, sometimes when things come at you, they don't just come at you in one dimension. They come at you in all dimensions, in different factors. In verse 6, he says, hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors. They're too strong for me. Bring me out of the prison so I can thank you. The godly will surround me. They'll crowd me. Crowd around me, for you are good to me. You know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. See, David is seeing that beyond the cave, beyond his enemies, beyond the enemies that are coming in on him, he sees godly people that will surround him. Right now, some of you are surrounded by godly people in a watch party. You're surrounded by godly people on a team you serve on, or in a connect group, or by family. He's taking himself spiritually to a different place than what he's experiencing physically to lift himself out of the confusion. What do we learn from this? The final thing that David recognized that his own strength had limitations. He said, rescue me from my persecutors. They're too strong for me. You got to remember David's killed a lion. He's killed a bear. He's killed Goliath. He's been anointed king. He's loved by God. 
The whole city knows who he is. The people of God know who he is. But even David knows those who are coming after him, the things that are happening to him, he knows his strength has limitations. Walking through seasons like we're walking through is not a time for us to talk about how strong we are. It's a time for us to talk about how strong God is. It's not a time for us to talk about how bad things are with us. It's a time for us to talk about how good things are with God. I don't know if you'll ever get another opportunity like this in life, in your lifetime. Or maybe someday you'll stand before God and say, I stood firm in the test. I stood in faith in the test for me, for my family, for my children, for generations to come. See, those of you who are in a generation, not just a first generation Christian, but maybe a second or a third one, maybe your parents or grandparents, they stood in faith for you. They stood through battles, through wars and threats of nuclear attacks and a horrible economy and recessions and and some of our grandparents and great-grandparents through uh, wars and, and threats of the Cold War and the economy collapsing in the Great Depression. I mean, people have stood the test before us, declaring that song we were singing, the blessing, from generation to generation. Someone stood for you. Someone prayed for you. And here you are in a cave, and you have to ask yourself the question, Is God going to be your portion in this moment? Are you going to find faith in the cave or dwell in fear? Friends, I don't think this is something to be taken lightly. I think this is not just a test for Grace Avenue Church. I think this is a test for the people of God. Is God our portion in the midst of national chaos? Do we really mean the words to the songs that we sing? The songs that we throw on the radio every single day, the worship songs that declare God's strength and his power and his might. Do we really believe that? We can find out right now in the cave, in the cave of our situation. Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and they are safe. Come on, right now in your scenario, you can run to God and you are safe. He can be your strong tower. Psalm 46, verse 1, I said this earlier, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Paul echoed this in Ephesians. Last verse I want to read to you. Ephesians 6, verse 10, he said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Come on, this is not a time for you to be strong in the sense that you're doing this in your own strength. This is a time for you to stand in God's strength and God's power. Come on. God sent us as saved people to serve people. And maybe the first thing for you right now is serving your own spirit, leading your own spirit out of the cave emotionally, mentally, into a place of abundance and fruitfulness where you'll declare like David, the godly are going to surround me. Though the enemies are coming around me, everything that's unknown, everything that's confusing, God, you're going to be my portion. You're going to be my strength forever. I'm believing that for your life today. I'm believing that for your family. Come on, Grace Avenue Church, we've not been in this together to just sit by and die by the roadside and wonder what's going to happen and moan about the news. Come on. 
We're going to see God do something in us and through this. I'm believing God's going to use this to change our church. I'm believing God's going to revive lives across America because of this. I believe God's going to bring revival to our spirits as a church, revival to the city, because we're choosing to stand in faith, and our faith is going to take us into a new dimension, a new place of life and love and trust in God. That's what I'm believing for you this morning. Wherever you're watching from today, I want to pray that your faith would not fail you. As Jesus prayed that for Peter, I want to pray that for you. I want to pray that your life, maybe in your scenario, wherever you are, maybe feeling like David in a a cave-like situation, that you'd find faith in the cave and that that faith wouldn't fail you. And that you'd stand strong in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. And what he wants to say to you and do in your life in this moment. Come on. This moment could be the very thing that you've been asking God for all of your life. It could be the thing that you think you've been searching for has been this the entire time. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, I pray for the people of Grace Avenue Church, maybe even those who are visiting on screens today, watching from wherever they're at. Lord, you know the strength that we need in the cave. You, need, you know the, the confusion and the stress and the difficulty that we face in all of our unique, difficult situations. Lord, you know the fear that is trying to weigh down upon our city, our nation, our homes, our churches. But Lord, in this moment, we're asking, asking above everything else that you would be our portion, that you'd be everything that we want and everything that we need. God, if we have everything, but we don't have you, we have nothing. But if we have you and nothing else, we have everything. So, Lord, this morning, strengthen your people. Give them courage in the midst of chaos. Give them clarity in the midst of confusion. Give them power in the midst of persecution. Give them strength in their stress. If you're watching today and what I'm speaking to you is, it's speaking to you, it's doing just that. I believe it was a divine appointment from God. He knew you were going to be watching. He knew what your need was. Uh, To be quite honest with you, I don't even like doing live video. (laughs) I've avoided it for 15 years, and now I'm stuck in this situation. So I can tell you, I didn't plan to say this. What you needed to hear, I didn't plan. This isn't some warmed-up message I've spoken before. This is a new message that I'm bringing to you. I believe God wanted to say something directly to you today to strengthen your faith so that your faith wouldn't fail. God wants to give you courage this morning to lift you out of that cave, prison-like spirit and set you on solid ground. And the way he does that is he tells us to put all our hope and all our trust in him. 
all of our hope and all of our trust in him. That's, that's a big decision. But to do that means everything. To do that means we put our trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross. For the forgiveness of our sins, he took upon himself shame, guilt, our sin, our mistakes, our bitterness, our hatred, our rejection, all the things that we deal with in life, that we've harbored. God takes that all upon himself and says, I take that all from you and I give you life and freedom and salvation. And then he says, when you receive that, you're saved. See, we don't just believe in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ for our sins. We, we believe in his resurrection. It's because of his resurrection we have hope for eternity. We have hope beyond this life. Hope for friends that have passed on, family that have passed on children that have passed on our hope is that there's something beyond death something beyond pain something beyond disappointment in Revelation the book of Revelation it says that there'll be a time when there are no more tears no more pain no more sorrow only joy in the presence of God come on heaven is not some place where you're playing harps and sitting on clouds and wearing robes God has a plan for eternity and he wants you to be part of it and when God saved me and changed my life. That was something I, I embraced and it shaped my entire life now. It's shaped the way I have friends and family and how I serve people and how I, I see life because I see through the lens of Jesus' love for people, not just some random dream I'm out there chasing. I see that dreams are not dreams when they're just settled in me. They're dreams when they're really connected to God and his purpose in my life. God wants you to connect, wants to connect you to purpose this morning. He wants to save you and lead you into his purpose. If you've never made that decision before, today, we can do that. In fact, wherever you are, if you've not done that before, you can do that right now. You can say today, God, I give my life to you. Today, in the midst of my suffering, in my cave, I give you my life. In the midst of the confusion, I give you my life. I believe God is rescuing people right now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray as you finish this broadcast today, this stream, that that you're different that you receive everything that God wants you to receive in this moment. And for some of you, that means right now, receiving the saving grace of God over your life and over your future. Scripture tells us that all we need to do to receive that salvation is confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ died for us, that he rose from the dead. We'll be saved. God will forgive us, wipe the slate clean, give us new life, make us new creations. That's how simple it is. Religion will try to make you prove how good you are for God, but God shows you how good he is by proving that he came to you before you even had a thought about him in your mind. So if you're watching my screen today and you're part of our church family and you're saved, would you pray with me right now for those who are gonna make a decision to follow Jesus as I pray this prayer? If you're watching today and you want to make this decision, just say this after me. Say it in your heart. Say it, say it out loud. 
Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you that you bring forgiveness and freedom into my future. Today I receive your salvation, the gift of life, the gift of eternity. I thank you that because of your crucifixion and your resurrection, I'm now saved. And I receive that today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you made that decision, in just a little bit, our, our team here is going to tell you about how important that is and, and the steps you can take next. But uh, as we promised earlier, we're going to receive communion together as a church. And if you have those elements uh, next to you, uh, just take those in your hand. And if you don't have them, you can run to the kitchen, grab anything. Really, it's really about, not about the specific things we use. It's what's symbolic in this moment of what we're using that represents the blood and Jesus' body shed for us. His blood shed for us, his body bruised and beaten for us. He took upon himself all that we deserved and he set us free. In Luke chapter 22, it says, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. If you have the bread this morning, Jesus is saying, do this and remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Don't just remember this as a, an act or a tradition or a ceremony. Remember what I've done for you and your life and your family and your future. Come on, we can take the bread right now. It says, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. The new covenant. The new covenant between you and Jesus. His blood which was poured out for us, the sacrifice made. So that we don't have to make a sacrifice to God to earn his love. His love is secure because of what he's done for us. Go ahead and take the cup. Lord Jesus, we receive today the life that you give us, the freedom that you give us. God, we thank you that as we celebrate communion today, we remember what you've done. Lord, we thank you that your strength is what we need. Your love is what we need. Your hope is what we need. We remember you today for all your glory, in all your glory. And we thank you, God, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords over America, over coronavirus, over every struggle that we have. You are still Lord, God. We celebrate you this morning. In Jesus' name. Folks, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, 
I just want to tell all of our givers today that because you've given faithfully for so many years through tithes and offerings financially to support not just the operations of Grace Avenue Church, but the outreach and the ministry of Grace Avenue Church, that's really the very reason we're able to do this right now. Uh, if we did not have a faithful people, uh, we'd be in a very difficult situation. Uh, who knows where we'd be? We'd certainly be in a new cave, that's for sure. Uh, but because of you and your faithfulness, God's work continues to go out. And by God's sovereign grace, he's positioned us now where we're a church that's now an online church for the foreseeable future until all of this changes. And uh, all the costs associated with that and everything else that's associated with that and the ministry that we try to reach people who are dealing with job loss and difficulties and people who need even some of the basics like groceries. You know, because of your faithfulness, we're able to be a help, not all help, but a help to people. And again, it's because of you. So I want to thank you, givers, um, tithers. It makes not only a difference, it makes everything happen. Uh, God's provision is so important in this season of our church. And I want to thank you for remaining faithful uh, in the midst of the confusion and the chaos. Thank you. And I want to encourage you that if you have challenges right now, needs, uh, we have a page on our website. Just type on the button, click on the button that says care, and you can find prayer requests and a button you can push if you need care. Uh, these are important to us as a church to make sure that you're being prayed for and that if you're part of our church family, we can do our best to direct you or help you uh, to the best of our ability with some of the needs that you have. We love you. We're praying for you. Uh, you can give. There's links right here where you're watching on how you can give, where you can go and get prayer, get all the information that you need. Uh, we love you, Grace Avenue Church. Uh, we're going to close here. Misty's going to close us out. God bless you guys. I can't wait till we can get together again and hug and high five. I miss you, but this isn't forever. God's going to do miracles in the midst of all of this. Let's keep making room all of our lives to see what God is going to do. Let's embrace the mystery. Come on, God's working in this. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.